Welcome to episode three of the Root of Reason podcast. My name is Brandon. This is the podcast aimed at the practical application of the Christian worldview. And on this episode, we're going to look at um, something that over the past three or four weeks or five weeks or so has been um, coming up again and again. A topic's been coming up again and again, um, just my own life and personal study and kind of the opportunities that I'm, I'm getting, and that's the concept of grace. And so we're going to look at uh, just God's providence and when he is leading us in a certain direction and trying to teach us about something and just how I've been amazed over the past few weeks um, and how that concept keeps coming up and in things that would seemingly be kind of unrelated, um, that same concept of grace keeps coming up in my life and the things that it's teaching me and the way that they're interconnected. The first thing that uh, came to mind that we started probably a month ago in the Small Group Men, reading through Dietrich Bonhoeffer's um, book, Life Together. And the first part of that is on community. And on page 34, at least in the ebook, he writes, It is easily forgotten that the community of Christians is a gift of grace from the kingdom of God, a gift that can be taken from us any day, that the time still separating us from the most profound loneliness may be brief indeed. Therefore, let those who until now have had the privilege of living a Christian life together with other Christians praise God's grace from the bottom of their hearts. Let them thank God on their knees and realize it is grace nothing but grace, that we are still permitted to live in the community of Christians today. So reading this together made me think about a time when my wife and I didn't have that sense of Christian community. Um, We were kind of on an island. We felt alone. We felt disconnected from Christian community for a handful of years. Um, And it was detrimental, uh, first of all, to our marriage and our spiritual lives. Um, But it wasn't until we moved to a new location and got connected with community, got connected with other Christian uh, men and women, that we realized just how detrimental it was to be disconnected. And since my wife and I have experienced that lack of Christian community, at least in a small sense, in our personal lives, um, it became pretty clear just how important that was. And I think reading this together uh, with a small group, with a community of people around us that uh, truly care for us and truly love us, has really, um, over the last handful of weeks, got me thinking more and more about how easy it is to uh, ignore Christian community. It's almost, it can be, at times, so abundant in our lives, in our current cultural context, at least um, in the Midwest, kind of where we live, and it can be easy to neglect it or or ignore it, to not pursue it in, in all of its fashions. And I think... Um, you know, my personal life, I see this in evenings where we have things going on. Um, it's been a long day at work. I find myself maybe hesitant to get changed, get cleaned up, and get back out of the house to go and connect with people. But then after getting there, um, it doesn't take very long before I realize what a blessing it is to my heart and to my soul to be around other Christians, to have their words of encouragement, their prayers, um, and their fellowship. And so it's easy in that respect to not seek it out and even knowing its importance to not always strive for it. I have a tendency to forget, um, as Bonhoeffer pointed out, that it was that it is grace that allows me to have that sense of community. Um, it almost seems like a no-brainer um, in the context that I live in, that it's just something you do. It's part of being part of a church as you have fellowship with other believers. But it doesn't work that organically all the time. And so it is definitely a grace of God that we find ourselves um, with community. We find ourselves connected to other believers that can encourage us and seek out our, our best. Um, and he, he goes on to talk about just different uh, 
situations where people are disconnected from Christian community, whether that be um, through persecution, through living in other countries, you know, missionary type work, uh, things like that. And it's just really amazing to me that um, in my own life, I can be so calloused, I think, to how blessed I truly am to have that community. And so that's one area where grace over the last probably month or so has really kind of hit me that, um, that I don't even realize it, that I don't see it. And that it's, and it's a constant reminder in my own head that I need to be aware of the ways God is blessing me, that uh, he's given me so much of it and it's so abundant that I have a tendency to see it as mundane um, and it isn't. And so my prayer over the last month has been to not take for granted the gift of community, the grace of community that God has given me. And so I hope that through that I can become more aware of that gift and hopefully I can help others become more aware of the gifts that they're neglecting or the gifts they're not fully engaged in when they don't seek those things out. So how does this relate to the practical application of the Christian worldview? And I think um, for many years I've had a, a hesitation at the growing popularity of online church services. Um, I think they can have a place uh, to help people stay connected in maybe a limited sense, but it seems like more and more as the years have gone on, they've become a substitute, or at least tried to become a substitute for attending services in person, to have fellowship in person. And I think that they, reading through Bonhoeffer's stuff about the grace that community is, um, I think that it cheapens community to think that a substitute is virtual church, sitting on your couch, watching the service take place, watching the worship take place. Um, again, I, I'm not going to say it's not ever an okay substitute in a limited context, but in general, uh, I think it's uh, something that needs to be avoided. I think you're cheapening and, and cheating yourself out of the grace of community when you are solely engaged with the Christian church through virtual campuses or through online services that are just being watched. One of the beautiful things about Christian community is they're encouraging words directly to you. And if you're only engaged virtually, only engaged through a screen, through a keyboard, you lose out on that, at least one aspect of that personal encouraging word, those personal prayers, uh, those personal connection points that um, are really vital to the health of a Christian's life. And so I think that's that is one of the issues I have with the virtual, the rise of the, the popularity of the virtual churches, the virtual campuses. I think people are missing out on a grace that God has given us that is part of the kingdom of God, being connected with fellow believers in one-on-one and personal, in-person settings to have those deep connections with other people. The second way grace has been constantly kind of at the forefront of my mind over the last few weeks is that I'm studying Psalm 62 in preparation for a sermon that I have opportunity to preach coming up in a few more weeks. And in verse 11 of Psalm 62, David writes, Once God has spoken, twice have I heard this, that power belongs to God. And this is in reference um, to Psalm 62, that David has already spoken that men, regardless of their status, have no ability to save. The powers of the world, the systems of the world, regardless of the wealth they may bring, have no power to save, but that God alone is his rock and his refuge and his salvation. And he goes on in verse 12 and says, And that to you, O Lord, belongs steadfast love. And so we see along with God's power to save, his strength to save, that he's the only one that has that power and ability. He possesses that power along with steadfast love. And that's God's grace for us. 
And we recognize that he alone has that power of salvation. And that can cause, you know, potentially some fear in people to think that there's nothing they can do to merit. There's no work that they can do. Only God alone has that power. But David reminds us that along with that power, God is gracious, God is steadfast in love, and that he wields that power in a loving, gracious way to all people. And the last portion of verse 12 says, For you will render to a man according to his work. And that ties into our last section here where grace has kind of been at the forefront of my mind. Um, Along with that, I've been reading through Augustine's Treaty on Free Will and Grace. And in the, towards the very end, it's broken up into 46 or 47 chapters. Towards the very end of that, in chapter 45, he writes about this, that God renders to each man according to his works. And so I just find it interesting that as I'm studying Psalm 62, and that verse is there, and then I'm reading Augustine on the side, that he also talks about that same verse. And so it was just interesting to see that providence of God there. And so for this episode's theological moment, we're going to read some of that work from Augustine, um, but I've gotten some feedback from a few people on ways to improve the theological moment, uh, most notably shorter things being read, not such drawn out nine minute just reading of me. Um, also, maybe adding a little bit of context or my own reflections or insights from that to it to keep it interesting. Um, and the last thing was that uh, being able to read better And so the first two I'm definitely going to work on. We're going to do shorter things, and uh, I'll kind of add a little bit of commentary or kind of what I'm seeing from that, kind of some insights I got. I can't promise that I can read better, but I will do my best to learn to read uh, more properly. But with a public school education, um, you're probably going to get what you get on the reading side of it. So in this work, this uh, Treaty on Grace and Free Will by Augustine, he is working through um, some of the Pelagian controversy, basically. So he starts out by uh, maintaining that Scripture teaches uh, grace and that Scripture teaches that there's a free choice of man in his will or there's a free choice of will with man. And so he's, he's balancing those two truths. He's proving from Scripture that grace is a necessity and that there is this free choice or free choice of will. And he's basically in opposition to the Pelagian teaching um, through this work. And he uh, he goes through and shows that, you know, grace is given to us by Jesus Christ, and it's not because of our knowledge of the law or nature, um, but that it's a gift of God, that the grace is what enables us to fulfill the law. It causes our nature to be liberated from sin. Um, and it's not given on the case of any kind of good merit or anything that we've done to earn this grace. And so he's, that's what he's talked about a lot in these first 40-some-odd chapters before we get to the section that I want to read. So looking at chapter 45, after Augustine has made his case for both truths of free will and grace and has argued for how they work together and that our good works are all of grace and that we're relying on grace at all times in our lives, he goes on to say, that um, be then well assured that your labor will never be in vain. If setting before you a good purpose, you persevere in it to the last. For God who fails to render according to their deeds, only those whom he liberates will then recompense every man according to his works. Matthew sixteen twenty seven. God will therefore certainly recompense both evil for evil because he is just and good for evil because he is good. 
So before we get too much further into this, uh, recompense here just means compensation or payment rendered or payment given. And I think the first part of that, that he will pay back evil for evil because he is just, is pretty easy for us to understand. It's easy for us to grasp that concept that uh, because God is just, evil actions require punishment, require being paid back with evil. Um, but then when he goes on to say, and good for evil because he is good, that is the beginning of grace there. That is a, a definition of grace that we're seeing there from Augustine that he will pay back good for our evil deeds because that he is good. And goes on to say, and he will pay good for good because he is good and just. But he will never recompense evil for good because he is not unjust. And I think we struggle with that sometimes, that we think if we're doing things a certain way or we're living life a certain way that we think is good and things don't work in our, out in our favor, we think that God is paying us evil for our good works. Um, but Augustine's clear and scripture is clear that God is not unjust. There is no injustice in God. And so he never pays evil for good. Um, probably what we think we are doing that is good probably doesn't fall in the category of good. He goes on to say, he will therefore recompense evil for evil, punishment for unrighteousness. We understand that pretty well. And he will recompense good for evil, grace for unrighteousness. And he will recompense good for good, grace for grace. So what's the last 13 minutes uh, have to do? How does it all come together here at the end? Um, is it just 13 minutes of me rambling about a few disconnected concepts that I've run into over the last few weeks, or what is the point of the podcast today? And uh, originally, this isn't what I had in mind for episode three. We were going to go a different route, um, but about halfway through getting that episode done, I stopped uh, recording it and decided to change it up to something different. I couldn't ignore how grace, uh, the concept of grace or the doctrine of grace has been so prevalent over the last probably month of my study. And so I wanted to talk about that and kind of flesh some of these things out. And so I think that the point I want to make here at the end is that so often in the Christian life, or at least I know for myself, and I'm sure some others can attest this as well, uh, we forget just how big of a role grace plays in our lives. We gladly repeat the mantra, saved by grace alone, and we believe that fully, um, but then it kind of gets pocketed at that point. It kind of gets pushed to the side and some other things maybe uh, fill our minds or fill our time. And just over the last four or five weeks, I've been constantly reminded of how big grace is in my life and how it's not just... Um, I'm freed from sin, and that's the end of it, but that God's grace covers and encompasses every aspect of my life. It encompasses um, friendships, family, relationships, um, and what Bonhoeffer was talking about, that it's a grace that I have community at all, because that's not something that's guaranteed in this life, and it's not something that I should just expect as a given, but it's a grace of God. It's a part of his kingdom being expressed here on the planet and so grace covers that. That is a grace of God that I get to experience that wonderful gift that he has for me. And David's word in the psalm reminds me that it's not only by grace that I am saved, but it's because of grace or God's steadfast love that he talks about in verse 12, that in times of great sorrow and anguish, 
that I have a refuge and a comfort and a peace in the Father. It's not just that I've been freed from sin, but that he is a fortress and a rock and a foundation that I can lean on and hide in and dwell inside of in times of tribulation in my life, in times of hardship, in times of anguish, and also in times of joy and excitement and happiness, that he is our rock and it's a grace and steadfast love that he offers that to us as a fortress of peace and comfort, regardless of our situations. And Augustine exemplifies and expands the concept in my mind, reminds me that though I perform evil, God pays me back in good because of his grace, because of his steadfast love, that my best efforts are still evil in comparison to God and his righteousness, but because of his goodness, he pays me back with good, not just the evil that I deserve, not just the punishment that I deserve for my unrighteousness, but he gives me good and righteousness because of that. And also, Augustine reminds us that according to Scripture, the only reason that I could ever perform any good work, that any of my works are not evil but actually good, is only because of grace changing my will and leading me to those good works. He says earlier in that same writing, Augustine does, he says, For it is certain that we keep the commandments if we will, but because the will is prepared by the Lord, we must ask him for such a force of will as suffice to make us act by the willing. It is certain that it is we that will when we will, but it is he who makes us will what is good. It is said of him, as he just now expressed it, the will is prepared by the Lord, Proverbs 8.35. So any good work that I will, any good thing that my will produces, we know that it is holy and fully because the Lord has prepared my will and that the grace has changed my heart of stone into a heart of flesh. And that, with that, we're going to wrap up episode 3 of the Root of Reason podcast. So take those things with you, that relationships and community are all of grace, that our comfort and our refuge is all of grace, and that any good works we perform or any good will we have is all of grace. That's the message of reconciliation we take to the world. So go and share that with others, that Jesus Christ is the sovereign King, Lord, and Savior of all. 